Hi, welcome to Perch.Church. We are a new church plant, a hospitable community for wanderers, misfits, and curious. The tagline of our church is to love Jesus and love like Jesus. We are a church that really wants to focus on the primary teachings of Jesus Christ and really not worry too much about the secondary stuff. We do this through our four core values, which are biblical, relational, open-minded, and service-oriented. And as we are ramping up and getting ready for our launch at the end of this year, we've been meeting online like most other people have been doing uh, for the past two months during this time of quarantine. And we've been meeting in small groups. Um, before the quarantine, it was in person. And at, during the quarantine, it was over Zoom. And we are just excited that you are joining us for worship, whether you are already a part of our community or if you're just visiting. So it's great to have you. As we get started today, uh, as you can see, it says it's a corporate prayer. And if you go to our website, www.perch.church, uh, you will find our bulletin from May 24th. And this is where you will find the corporate prayer as well as announcements and also the lyrics to the songs that we're singing during our worship time. But if you don't have it with you, uh, I'll just pray it for us. Uh, I'll just say it for us out loud and you could just pray together with us from wherever you are and just listen in. And this prayer comes to us from a Lutheran priest. Her name is Nadia Bowles Weber. And I found this on her social media and I just found it so relevant and powerful especially given our current situation that everyone is in right now with this global pandemic. So let's pray together. For the grace to allow ourselves and others to just be less productive, shower us. For the generosity needed from those of us who have more resources, empower us. From our own selfish inclinations, deliver us. For just being your children, none of whom have done a global pandemic before, love us. For the days ahead, accompany us. God, unbound by time, help us know that you are already present in the future we are fearing. Amen. Our friends Anthony and Liz are going to lead us into worship at this time. Again, the lyrics can be found in the bulletin. So let's worship together about the Lord's goodness. Purge that church, let's worship together.
so profoundly prevalent in our lives more than anything else that our eyes our gaze would be set on you Jesus the author and perfecter of our faith teach us how to wait teach us how to love you well teach us how to trust you for who you've always said you are Jesus we love you Lord we pray all these things in your It's who you are. It's who you are. 
Again, to Perch.Church, it's great to worship with you, and thank you to Anthony and Liz for leading us in that wonderful time of worship. And I just want to welcome you from wherever you are, whether you're home or at your desk. Um, it's great that we're able to worship together like this in such a strange time. Um, and you know, thankful to technology and internet where we could still gather together. So whether you are a part of our launch team or it's your first time visiting us, it's great to worship together with you. We are a new church plant and we seek to be a hospitable community of faith for wanderers, misfits, and curious. And I think in many ways, everyone can relate to at least one of those three categories, wanderers, misfits, or curious, whether you consider yourself a follower of Jesus or not. 
Um, I think this is a strange time that we're living in. And so in many ways, we all feel like we're kind of wandering around or we're kind of figuring it out. So we are a church that wants to welcome everyone who is unsure of where they are spiritually or just kind of figuring out their life because that's kind of where we all are. And we're a church that really wants to focus on the primary teachings of Jesus, to love Jesus and to love like Jesus. And we do that through our four core values, which are biblical, relational, open-minded, and service-oriented. Now, during this critical time of our church plan, if you do consider Church your home church, uh, we need your support now more than ever before. So please continue in, our, in your worship by giving of your tithes and offerings. You could either give online, or uh, there's a phone number where you could text to give, or you could even Venmo us at perch-church. Next Sunday, we are going to gather for small groups, and we've been doing that. We've been alternating between worship gatherings and small groups uh, about every other week or so until we launch publicly at the end of this year. And so if you do want to connect with us in our small groups, please let me know. You could email me at al at perch.church, and I will connect you to a small group. And we've been meeting on Zoom still, so um, you don't have to worry about like safety or anything like that, at least not anytime soon. And it's a great time where you could connect with people. And I really love these small group times it's because we can just be honest. And I just love how everyone in our church and our community are just very real about their struggles. And so I really appreciate that about our small group time. Now, we've been trying to meet online for uh, the past couple months and our primary method has been worship on Facebook Live and Zoom for small group. But the quality for Facebook Live has not been that great, at least when we do live. So uh, we're trying this new format out. As you can see, I'm recording from my home. Welcome to my living room. And uh, so we're gonna try recording and um, uploading uh, uh, later on on Facebook Live, but I think we're gonna try a different method, a different platform, which will stream from our website. So um, check out our website for more info. We'll keep you updated. But I think starting in June, we won't be going live on Facebook anymore. We might still upload our videos later to Facebook uh, because uh, a lot of people are connected to our church through our Facebook group, but. I think live we might have to go through our website uh, starting in June. So go to our website, perch.church, uh, and th there will be updates there. And we had to postpone our healthy relationship seminar several times, or twice, and so hopefully we are going to do it in June. Okay, Our healthy relationship seminar with uh, professor from Fuller School of Psychology. Her name is Megum, and she is excellent. She was uh, my wife and my former couples therapist. And so she is just great at what she does. And she is teaching us how to maintain and sustain healthy relationships. And I think that's really, really good to know during this time. And so if this interests you, again, go to our website and you can find more details over there. For the past um, couple 
of months, we've been going through this series called Home. Home. And it's a concept that I've been really wrestling with a lot and thinking about a lot because we're all home a lot more these days, most of us at least, right? Most of us are working from home, pretty much every school is shut down, college students had to move back to their hometowns, they had to move back in with their parents and just everything is different, right? But the one thing that has remained constant for most people is home home and while many of us hopefully hopefully most of you who are watching most of us who are home might be safe at home right and that's a phrase that we've been hearing a lot these days right safe at home but that's primarily talking about our physical safety right it's really talking about not getting sick or not catching the virus or you know just being healthy and safe at home but for me, that was a very, very difficult concept to grasp because growing up in my home, I didn't really feel safe. And partly because I grew up in a rather dysfunctional family. Um, my mother was a little bit controlling and uh, over obsessive. And, but my father especially, he had a severe drinking problem and most nights uh, he will be drunk and at best uh, he, he wasn't around right and at worst um, you know it, it was a very dysfunctional and broken and abusive relationship now when my dad was uh, sober he was actually a pretty good dad um, and there are several fond memories that I have with him from when I was younger but uh, for most of my childhood um, my home wasn't a very safe place and so I never really liked being at home to be honest and even as I grew up and even as I became an, an adult and I started and, and then I got married and my wife and I were living on our own and our home was definitely very safe right and uh, you know my wife and I we got along for the most part um, and my home as an adult was way safer than my home as a child but the concept of home being a safe haven and a place of peace and a place of stability that it might be for a lot of people that it definitely was for a lot of my friends growing up home was never that place for me Home was not that place of safety and stability and uh, sanctuary for me, right? Say home was a place of chaos and a place of turmoil and a place of dysfunction and a place of brokenness. And so I never really liked being home. Even as an adult, even when I got to create a new family of my own and even after I had kids, I just never felt comfortable at home. And so I never liked working from home. I uh, would like to go out uh, as much as I can for fun. I just wouldn't like staying home for fun. I just never was a homebody and I never really wrestled with this until now, until this quarantine where I was forced to stay home for the past two months straight, like most of you, right? And so the first couple of weeks I was going crazy, right? I was restless and I was 
I was frustrated and, and I wanted to get out and I couldn't and so it was a really really uh, difficult first couple weeks and as I was praying and I was as I was wrestling with this and God was really teaching me to feel safe at home like really not just you know physically safe like not just safe from the virus right but in my emo like emotionally safe and mentally safe and most of all spiritually safe God was teaching me that I could be safe truly safe at home and now now that I'm a dad right now that I have two little kids at home I'm really wrestling a lot with fatherhood this idea of fatherhood and I don't want to traumatize them and mess them up the way that like my dad unintentionally traumatized me and and messed me up and he was really trying the best that he could but in many ways my own father grew up without a dad right and so uh even though my dad was around and even though my dad uh you know took care of us and you know he he worked all throughout my life um and he, you know he, he he never left us or anything like that but in some ways i kind of felt like i grew up without a dad and now I'm, I'm a dad myself and i'm just kind of trying to figure it out as i'm doing it right and i'm wondering like are there things that i might be doing to my kids that i just don't even think about like that i think is fine but maybe 10 20 years from now my daughter will like say something to me like you were on your phone too much or like you didn't give me enough attention i don't know what it is you know but uh i'm really wrestling now with this idea of fatherhood and i bring this up because um, a couple weeks ago we started talking about the trinity with the holy spirit right and i introduced this relatively novel concept of the holy spirit being a mother right and even though most of us might know that god is not limited by human standards right god is not a man or a woman but for some reason throughout for most of human history right uh, the church has been addressing god as a man right and especially when you think about the trinity should god have a or should man have a monopoly on the trinity should the male pronoun have a monopoly on the trinity right we call god the father and jesus christ is historically born as a male right jesus christ the son and the holy spirit i think could be best understood as a mother right even when in genesis chapter 1 in verse 2 when it described the spirit of god hovering over the waters the word for spirit ruach in hebrew is feminine it's a feminine word but god the father has always been called god the father god the father was never called god the parent and for all of church history god the father in the trinity has always been called god the father and for someone like me i had a really really difficult time with that because of my broken relationship with my own earthly dad right and this is a question that 
we kind of can think about throughout this message and maybe for you like for the days to come how has your relationship with your earthly father impacted your view of God how has your relationship with your earthly father impacted your view of God and for me because I really didn't have much of a personal close intimate relationship with my earthly father God to me was a disciplinarian a rule keeper right and this kind of distant powerful figure uh, that would only make his presence known when I did something bad I don't know how it is for you right and that is the exact relationship that I had with my earthly dad is that he only made his presence known when I did something bad and he was a disciplinarian and um, we didn't really have that much of an intimate relationship but when I was in college and I truly began to understand God as my Heavenly Father I began to realize that he was the father that I have always longed for longed for he is the father that I have always longed for and God was not called father by and large God was not called father until Jesus Christ for Orthodox pious religious Jews prior to Jesus and even the Jews now they don't necessarily see God in that same way as a father right and their view of God was probably similar to my old view of God which was a disciplinarian kind of a rule keeper a lawmaker right and someone who only makes his presence known when we do something bad right and this idea of fatherlessness, uh, I don't think I'm really alone in this, right? I think there might be a lot of people out there in the world who resonate with this feeling of fatherlessness, but maybe not be able to articulate or put into words, right? And I think this is really a big reason why God is called, God is called the Father, right? God is Father to the fatherless God is father to the fatherless during this time of global pandemic I've been reading the CDC's website more and more often these days and I came across some interesting statistics that have nothing to do with the coronavirus according to the CDC Children from fatherless homes account for 90% of homeless teens. That's staggering. Children from fatherless homes account for 90% of homeless teens, 71% of high school dropouts, and this is the most tragic, 63% of teenage suicides. I believe this is why God is called the Father, because the world has such an absence of good fathers. It's really, really unfortunate, but like when I was a kid, um, 
it was kind of hard to find a good example of a good dad. Like among my friends, at least, right? Um, yeah, it's kind of hard to find an example of one of my friend's dads who was a good example. I could find tons of good examples of good moms, right? And this is, I don't know, maybe this is just me, right? This, maybe this is just my experience. But for some reason, it's, it's hard for me to find a good example of a, a really, really good dad in my friend's lives, like when I was growing up. <laughs> this also kind of reminds me that um, my, my father-in-law, uh, when I first asked him for permission to marry his daughter when I wanted to propose to my wife, um, and he finally caved and he finally accepted me, right? When my wife and I were dating, he was really, really hard on me. And uh, yeah, he was just really tough to crack. But it, was, it wasn't until I asked him for his daughter's hand in marriage that uh, he finally warmed up to me and uh, he accepted me, right, as his future son-in-law. And he told me to call him by a very, very formal Korean name which is Changinorin, right? And for those of you who speak Korean, you know that this is a pretty formal title, Changinorin, okay? Um, it's not like father, okay? It's literally calling someone like father-in-law, right? And I, looking back, like that is so funny to me because I don't know anyone who calls their father-in-law father-in-law, right? They might call them like father-in-law or, or, or they might call them father or they might call them like Mr. Johnson or like Mr. Park or something like that, right? Uh, or maybe if they're like extremely comfortable, they could call them by their first name, right? But they don't really call them like father-in-law. Um, but that's what my father-in-law wanted me to call him, right? Uh, I might have gotten away with like aboji, which means father in Korean, right? But I definitely can't call him Appa, right? Which means like dad or even more casually, uh, daddy. <laughs> daddy. Uh, that would be really weird if I called my father-in-law daddy, right? He'd be like, who the, <laughs> who do you think you are, <laughs> right? Um, but I bring this up because the way that Jesus addressed God as father was very, very new, right? It's like Jesus calling God daddy. But all of us, we only have one daddy, right? We only have one dad. You might have a father-in-law. You might have a stepdad, right? But most of us, by and large, we only have one dad, right? And so this is a very intimate title that we are attributing to God. And this is what Jesus taught us, like how to address him as God the Father. And we know this because when people came up to Jesus and asked him how we should pray, Jesus taught them the Lord's Prayer, which begins by saying, Our Father in heaven, our Father. And, and the more I think about the Lord's Prayer, right, Jesus wasn't necessarily teaching us the content of prayer or even like like the structure or anything like that Jesus was really teaching us about the approach of prayer how 
we can approach God in prayer, and that is by acknowledging Him as our Heavenly Father. God is Father to the fatherless. There's this um, book that I read when I was in seminary, um, when I was in graduate school. Uh, the, the new title is called This, but the original title, I don't know if you can see it here, uh, it's called To Own a Dragon, and that's the book that I read, To Own a Dragon, right? Uh, but this is the new book title. Um, and the author, Donald Miller, he grew up without a dad, right? And he's very candid and honest about it and so vulnerable about it. And um, it was really transformative for me. It really impacted me. And that's when I realized that God was the Heavenly Father that I've always longed for, that my heart always desired. And Donald Miller, when he was a young adult and he was a struggling writer, he rented a room from this guy named John, right? And uh, he knew John when he was newly married without kids. And then he lived with, uh, he rented a room from John for several years. And uh, after they had kids, he and his wife had kids and he saw what kind of dad that John was. And he was a good dad, he was a loving dad. And he realized that uh, a loving family is very very much dependent on each other and he said this in the book father fiction healthy families cannot work independently healthy families cannot work independently and that is a very very uh new concept for me right because i Many times when you think of families, even couples, right? You think of these two independent, autonomous people just learning to like live together, right? But once you become a healthy family, you really learn to depend on each other. A stupid trivial example could be like when my wife can't open a jar of pickles, right? And she yells out my name and I come to the kitchen and I open it for her. Or if I'm trying to get some work done but my kids keep bothering me and like almost every day <laughs> nowadays, right? And then I, I go to my wife and I ask her to help out with the kids so that I could just get some work done, right? Healthy families need to rely on each other and depend on each other. And this is such a beautiful picture of the Holy Trinity, right? God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit the Mother. It's like this holy, unified family that work so beautifully together. They each have their unique roles, right? Jesus Christ was the one who died on the cross, not the Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit who guides us and leads us on a daily basis, right? Uh, and God the Father is the one with ultimate authority, okay? God the Father is the one with ultimate authority. And God loves those who feel fatherless and abandoned. I'm going to read our first Bible passage for us today. It comes to us from Psalm chapter 68, verse 5. God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. A father to the fatherless, 
A defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. I, I want to show you uh, some pictures. Now, I'm a pastor, okay, and sometimes I look at some inappropriate stuff, okay, on social media. And I'm just going to share this with you. I'm not condoning it. I'm not telling you to subscribe or follow these people on Instagram, okay? I'm just telling you I found it funny, okay? But I'm not promoting it out, okay? Um, <laughs> all right. I don't know if you can make out that those pictures, okay? Uh, but this is from a new Instagram that I found called Poor Parenting, okay? The one on the left is one of a baby drinking beer. Uh, the one in the middle, you could probably see that it's a couple pulling a baby stroller on the motorcycle. And then this one uh, is of a dad who's holding a six-pack of beer and has a 12-pack on his skateboard and his kid is on his back and his other kid is riding the beer on the skateboard. Now, I don't know what it is about this Instagram that I just find so hilarious. Um, but yeah, I just think it's like so funny like seeing this kind of stuff. And I think it might be uh, tapping into something like subconscious, right? That in many ways, like as parents, like I have no idea <laughs> what I'm doing, right? Um, but I also wonder if I feel like these kids in these pictures, right? That I kind of grew up with my parents not really knowing what they're doing and just kind of figuring it out, you know? And back then in like the 80s and 90s when I grew up, like psychology and emotional health really wasn't like, <laughs> like widely known, right? And so um, in many ways, I kind of feel like this, right? And it reminded me of a time when I was interact. I was playing, you know, uh, when, when, I, when I play with my son or when I interact with my son and he pisses me off, right? And lately that's been happening more and more late, uh, because we just spend a lot of time together these days. Um, he says this one thing that's really, really uh, cute. Um, if he gets me mad, right? Uh, he'll he'll lean in right and he'll have these like sad puppy dog eyes and he goes daddy Do you still love me? <laughs> uh, and when he says that oh my god like that just melts my heart and I can't get mad at him anymore right that like instantly Puts a smile to my face and I can't get mad at him and it doesn't really matter like What he did right? If he said, like, he could have cut off my finger, right? And I could be holding my hand with, like, a cut-off finger. And I'm, like, so pissed. And I'm, like, cussing my head off, right? And I'm, like, oh, what the heck? And he leans over and he goes, Daddy, <laughs> do you still love me? It's, it's like, nearly impossible <laughs> uh, for me to stay mad at him. And I wonder if he is tapping into something really profound. Right? And it's a cute story. It's a funny story, right? And he still does this all the time, like literally like at least a couple times a week, right? He says this to me at least a couple times a week. Uh, but he is tapping into something very profound, right? Is that every one of us who are children, and we're all children, right? We're all children of somebody, right? 
all of us who are children have this like deep-seated fear that we might be unlovable. We have this fear that um, not just that maybe our parents will reject us, but that maybe somehow God will reject us. But God has compassion on his children. God loves his children. He loves his children so much that he came down as a human being. He sent Jesus Christ to be able to relate with us on a human level. God is father to the fatherless, but God the Father is also very, very relational. God the Father is relational. In John 14, verses 8 through 11, Jesus' apostle Philip asked Jesus to show us the Father and that will be enough. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is, uh, who, who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. One of the primary reasons why God sent down his son Jesus Christ to earth is to be able to relate with us. We have a high priest in Jesus Christ who is able to understand what it's like to be lonely, what it's like to be scared, what it's like to feel pain, what it's like to be physically tired, what it's like to feel joy. All the emotions, all the struggles of a human being, Jesus himself has gone through. And the reason why God sent Jesus Christ, God the Father sent Jesus Christ, is, be able, is because he wanted to be able to relate with us. Now that's really, really difficult for a dad to be able to go down to a child's level and to play with his child at their level. That's really, really hard. I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm just a bad dad. But like for me to play robots with my son for like an hour, oh my gosh, that is painfully difficult. Now, I can't even begin to fathom what it's like for the creator of this universe, God Almighty, Alpha and Omega, who has no beginning and no end, right? Who is infinite, right? I can't even begin to imagine a God like that coming down in the form of a human to willingly be limited to the bounds of physics and time and age and reality. But that's the kind of God that we have. He relates with us on a human to human 
level. And not only that, God the Father is present. God the Father is very much present in our lives. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3-4, through 4, Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in the city of Corinth, and he said this, Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. God is able to have compassion and God is able to comfort his children because he is present. It is impossible for a father to have compassion and comfort his children if he is not present. But God is a God who is present in the lives of his children. One activity that I've been really enjoying a lot these days that I didn't used to enjoy um, prior to this quarantine is going on walks. And particularly, I love going on walks with my daughter. My daughter is a little older, so, you know, she walks a little faster than my four-year-old son. And uh, when she and I go on walks, um, they're very uneventful, okay? And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that in a very good way, right? We go on a walk and, you know, sometimes we talk about nothing. Um, sometimes we just walk in silence. Um, now, in this neighborhood, I mean, you know, uh, we live in a relatively safe neighborhood. But if my daughter were to walk alone, she would be scared, right? Because she's only nine, okay? Um, but yeah, if she were to walk just around the block by herself, she would be scared. But just because I am with her, just because I am present, I don't even have to do much, right? Just, just her knowing that I am present relieves any fear or anxiety that she might have. I wonder if we truly knew and understood and believed that God is always present in our lives, how much fear and anxiety would that relieve from us? Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You lead me by living streams of water. in peaceful pastures. Author and theologian Richard Foster said something really profound about the heart of God. He said, the heart of God is an opened, open wound of love. Man, that's such a good line. The heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence.
God has always been present in our lives, but I think many times we just kind of ignore it or we haven't acknowledged it. In many ways, God is longing for us to be present in His life. He's waiting for us to show up. While some of us might be wondering, where is God in all of this? How come He's not present? How come He's not showing up? I think God has always been there. And He is just waiting for us to show up in His life. I believe God is called the Father because the world is so lacking in fatherly figures. God is the ultimate Father that this world desperately needs. But it's the presence of the Father that's more important than anything else. Not necessarily what the Father can do for us or um, how He can change our lives, but simply His presence. So in closing, in closing, uh, something that we can reflect on throughout the next few days, or maybe even the next few weeks, is this. How can you live in the love of the Father? Maybe another way to put it is, uh, how can I better experience the love of the Father? How can I better experience the love of the Father? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being the good, good Father that you are. While it may be easy to focus on the negative and the painful parts of this strange season that we are in, and it's hard. It's, it's hard for a lot of people, for everyone, and it's harder for some people than it is for others. But Lord, may we never forget that you have always been present in our lives. Lord, you are the Father to the fatherless. You are a God who is relational, and you are a God who is very much present in our lives. And what's amazing about all this is that you want to know us, Lord. You want to know us so intimately and personally. And you're just waiting for us to show up. May we pay attention to you, Lord. May we hear your Holy Spirit's voice and guidance and would you lead us Lord to peaceful pastures and streams of living water and we like sheep may we know the voice of our shepherd thank you for being the good good father that you are and it is in the name of father 
the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. Amen. Blessings.